Construction on a key section of Kimball Avenue begins this week on a project that will continue well into the summer. The Manhattan Public Works Department is expected to close Kimball Avenue today to vehicular and pedestrian traffic just west of Denison Avenue to near the Grain Science Center and K-State Rowing Facility. That closure will allow for crews to begin the second part of the final phase of a replacement and reconstruction of the Denison-Kimball Avenue intersection. Here's City Engineer Brian Johnson. So you'll still be able to get to Denison from the east uh, coming on Kimball, and then you'll be able to turn south and get to the main campus. But coming from the west, you'll have to take the college to Claflin detour to get back to campus. North-south traffic will remain in place through the intersection until mid-May, when the entire intersection will close then for the summer following K-State commencement. Johnson says once completed, the intersection of Kimball and Denison will be seven lanes. There will be a right turn lane for east and westbound traffic, two through lanes for eastbound, two left turn lanes for east and westbound, two lanes for westbound. Uh, there's also uh, access control uh, at rowing, so you will not be able to come out of rowing and make a left, and there will also be access control at the entrance to the foundation. The closure is expected to remain in place until mid-August. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly delivered the Landon Lecture Friday at Kansas State University. The governor helped University President Richard Linton in celebrating the 161st anniversary of the founding of Kansas State. The focus of the governor's speech centered around the importance of avoiding divisive political messaging. Over the past 20 years, our politics has become not just polarized, but nationalized. Now you see campaigns for state representative or city council being focused on the same issues you see on national cable news, issues that have little or nothing to do with the constituents they'll actually be serving. Kelly was the first Landon Lecture speaker at the university since 2022. The lecture series has been a staple of Kansas State since 1966. Pottawatomie County will expand its Board of County Commissioners from three to five seats this November, but the road to expansion has been anything but simple. Voters approved expansion in November of 2022, and many assumed that it would then expand the county commission the following election cycle. However, complexities within state law prompted delays pushing back expansion until this year when county commissioners are typically up for election. It created a potential violation of state law, however, which currently requires counties to have no more than a simple majority of its commissioners on the ballot during each election cycle. Pottawatomie County this year has four seats on its ballot this fall. State Representative Kenny Titus was one of three area lawmakers who backed some legislation to correct the issue. We took out the governor's role. It's just the local commission that decides, and we clarified that once you vote to expand, that next year, whether it's an odd year or an even year, you will have an election for the new commission spot. And then we explicitly say, if you're elected in an odd year, your term will be this long. If you're elected in an even year, your term will be this long. So that way we can get the right rotation of in a five-member board. If you want three members up in one cycle and then two members the next cycle. Titus says the new bill also eliminates the need for costly special elections when filling a newly created county commission seat. There's no worry about money for a special election. Uh, You're going to get it in the next year, and I think it it clarifies the process. So I'm excited to get that on the books and over to the Senate and and hopefully have everything in place before election fall. A Manhattan man was arrested while in the 100 block of Courthouse Plaza Friday afternoon. RCPD says Ronald Inns was taken into custody on a Riley County District Court warrant for violations of pretrial bond supervision. The original charges were for distribution of a controlled substance causing death, possession with the intent to distribute fentanyl, and use of commercial facility for a drug transaction. Ince was issued a total bond of $500,000. He remains jailed in Riley County. 
A set of sculptures will be revealed tomorrow outside the Douglas Community Center. Melanie Highsmith is the curator of education at the Riley County Historical Museum and says the art pieces will be a celebration of the local African-American community, both past and present. These statues are meant to be multiple things. A, of course, a testament to just the history of the area and both of these two buildings in particular, but also the community itself and the spirit of it that lives on today. Douglas Center Advisory Board Chair Kevin Bryant reveals what the sculptures will be. We're kind of honoring that with those with the set of statues, um, statues of soldiers from the old USO, and then the uh, statues of children that made a, an important dent in the Manhattan community. The unveiling will take place tomorrow at 10 a.m. at the Douglas Complex. The Fort Riley Annual Economic Impact Statement was released just a few weeks ago. According to a presentation on the military base's website, Fort Riley provided an economic impact of $1.9 billion in 2023, the majority of that economic impact coming from payroll, as explained by Garrison Commander Colonel Michael Foote. So I would say the biggest thing for us is where we really integrate. So so about $1.2 billion of that is payroll coming in. So that's soldiers and families, but that's also our Department of Army civilians that, that come in um, and, and could be anybody from our engineers to our, to our uh, professionals inside of our hospital. He says the second biggest contributor to that is contracts. The economic statement includes more than $300 million in veteran expenditures, $27 million in education, $35 million from construction and $89 million from health care. Good morning, I'm Troy Coverdale with your sports headlines at News Radio KMAN. K-State able to hold off Georgetown yesterday afternoon on the diamond after three home runs and a 3-1-8 fueled them to a victory. Brian Smoller had the call on K-Man and recaps it. Kansas State Wildcats use the long ball. Tyson Neighbors gets his first save of 2024. The Wildcats walk out of Arizona in the MLB Desert Invitational with two wins in three tries. 7-6 to six the final thanks to Kansas State's three-run bottom of the eighth. Led off by Brendan Jones. His two-run home run gave K-State a lead with two outs. It was followed by a solo shot by Chuck Ingram. And the Wildcats persevered thanks to the ninth. Georgetown got a two-run homer off of All-American closer Tyson Neighbors, but he nailed it down after that with striking out two of the last three batters he faced. And the Wildcats hand Jackson Wentworth his first win in 2024 and Neighbors his first save. K-State at 2-1 and one, now gets ready to take on Arizona State out of the Pac-12. That'll be on Tuesday night. And the coverage right here on KMAN. Until then, reporting from Arizona for News Radio KMAN, this is Brian Smoller. Jameer Nelson Jr. hit a fadeaway three with just over a second remaining, lifting TCU past K-State at Bramlage on Saturday afternoon, 75-72. Defensively at the end, exactly what we wanted, right? Other than the shot going in, you know, we took him out of their ball screen action because we went zone and um, he shot a step back three from 25, contested. For most people, it's a 19% shot. He just That was just a 19% that went in. Cats coach Jerome Tang after Tyler Perry scored 18 of his 24 in the second half to keep the Wildcats close, despite having given up a 20-2 run in the second half. You know, I was real proud of him because of how they were guarding him. It was hard for him to get off shots, but it didn't stop him from putting his head down and getting to the lane and taking, you know, the contact, and, and he finished a couple and ones, and so um, really, really proud of him. The loss, though, drops the Cats two games below 500 in the Big 12. There's nobody 
nobody in that locker room that's quitting. There's nobody in the locker room that's panicking. You know, this is a big 12 game that comes down to one possession, and we can figure out how to correct one or two possessions and flip this thing. Tonight, a crack at Texas in Austin. Tip at 8. Coverage on News Radio KMAN will follow the Jeff Mitty Coaches Show at 7. Bruce Thornton scored 22. Jamison Battle added 19 as Ohio State stunned number 2 Purdue in its interim coach's debut, 73 69. Chris Holtman had been fired Wednesday after the beleaguered Buckeyes had dropped 9 of their last 11. Jake Diebler taking over on an interim basis. Also yesterday in the top 25, number 24, FAU, falls to South Florida, 90-86. to Jalen Glenn's layup with two seconds remaining lifted number 7 K-State to a 60-58 to win over UCF Saturday afternoon on the back half of that Cats doubleheader. 6.6 for the Cats. Jalen Glenn's broken free. Under the bucket, the layup. Good! UCF to play it in. Jewett, shy of half court, lets it fly, no good, and the Cats again survive at home. Gabby Gregory leading the Cats with 19 points. Eliza Maupin added a double-double with 15 and 11 boards. UCF led by Caitlin Peterson's 26. Next up for the 7th-rated Wildcats, a matchup with West Virginia Wednesday night at Bramlage. Camilla Cardoso had 16 points and 16 boards as top-ranked South Carolina rallied past Georgia 70-56 Sunday to win a record 43rd straight SEC regular season game. The Gamecocks actually trailed by nine in the third quarter before cranking things up to break the mark they shared with the Tennessee squads from the early 90s. Brittany Griner's number 42 jersey retired by Baylor yesterday. The two-time AP National Player of the Year and career blocks leader attended a Baylor home game for the first time since her season a senior season 11 years ago as she attended the ceremony yesterday. A day after qualifying 13 wrestlers for next weekend's 6A state tournament in Wichita, two won titles to cap regional action for Manhattan High. Three others placed second on the weekend. Indians coach Sean Bomas said Saturday was the day to push for points to challenge for a regional title after getting everyone into state with their Friday wrestling. Friday you're kind of wrestling for yourself and then Saturday at tournaments you're wrestling for the team points so you know, individual accomplishments take care of themselves on Friday and they, you know, get you there and then, you know, you'll get those extra points on Saturday. Washburn Rule won the team title with 243 points, Manhattan finishing second at 234. Ezekiel Witt remained unbeaten on the season, winning by fall to capture the 113 title. Cameron Coonrod won by a decision to capture the crown at 126. Also on Saturday, Wamigo qualified five wrestlers for the 4A tournament. Rock Creek won, and Riley County will send one to the 3-2-1A tournament. Both of those tournaments will be held in Salina. You can find the full rundown on the qualifiers at NewsRadioKMAN.com. All-Star MVP Damian Lillard of the Bucks scored 39. The East beat the West 2-11-186 last night in the NBA's All-Star game, the most points scored in the game's 73-year history. And NASCAR has postponed the season-opening Daytona 500 into this afternoon because of two days of rain at the Speedway. They'll try to get it rolling at 3 this afternoon, having postponed the race outright for the first time since 2012. The Jeff Mitty Coaches Show tonight at 6 on News Radio KMAN, followed by coverage of the K-State men on the road in Austin as they take on Texas at 8. We begin that coverage at 7 here on News Radio KMAN and on 1015 K Rock. 
Wildcat Insider comes your way this afternoon at 4. This is KMAN's Morning News.